1: The call! Hey, behave! out. And now, the starting lineup for the UCLA Bruins. Or whoever would have been playing in the national championship game. Yeah, I was gonna be on like, on like that's, a, that's a bold pick, but, well, it's an imaginary national championship game. I, I saw, I think Barstool tweeted out a uh, video of what would
0: have happened if Hayward hit the shot. And yeah. they, they, they just like I don't know CGI'd it somehow. The ball goes in. Nance has this call. I guess they could have spliced <laughs> it from like you know the previous game, yeah. then putting on hats. And uh, it was
1: it was pretty funny. If Hayward had hit the, that shot and Butler won the national championship, I think in my thirty four and a half years, it would have been one of the greatest championships ever. One of my favorite championships ever.
0: Well, I was watching. Uh, we haven't really had a podcast. It feels like for a while getting back on last week right <laughs> getting back on the saddle uh that the Texas USC game like whenever like there's just an iconic game you just yeah. i have been going on Twitter a little less we were talking about that before the podcast it's, it's too, yeah, too negative of a place right now I agree uh but every once in a while if you're just kind of bored at night like oh Texas SC so you're like oh, shit was I'll last watch Thursday. this it was and, incredible and i tweeted out that i think in the last i wouldn't say two decades because remember like when we were in high school there was like Ohio State, Miami. I'd even say it when we were a little younger, the Nebraska, Miami, Ohio State. Like there were some huge games, it felt like, in the late 90s, early 2000s. But I'd say 15 till this present year, that's the biggest national championship. And I think someone tweeted at me. I tweeted that out, and someone's like, yeah, it's the most viewed. And then you start factoring in, obviously, Texas, California, because most Alabama,
1: Clemson, I mean, these are smaller
0: markets, right? It kind of makes sense.
1: Also, it was those it, had, it it was as if you had Tua as a junior against Trevor Lawrence as a yeah. Vince Young had won the Rose Bowl MVP the year before, so that night he became only the fourth guy to ever do it. Who did twice. Who, who did they beat the year before? Do you know who did Texas beat in the Rose Bowl? Was it Michigan? Uh, How was Texas in the Rose Bowl?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Oh, because, because U- oh, because USC was in the national championship. That's right.
1: Because the. They exactly. didn't. They didn't have the rule so the like Big Twelve, the pack, Yeah, that's crazy. Good point. So,
0: and obviously, Liner and Bush were just like rock stars. John,
1: well, Bush had just won the Heisman, and so they were. That, I didn't realize this till I was just because the game was last Thursday. I just was sitting on the couch watching it and just started googling stuff. First time ever, two Heisman Trophy winners started in the same lineup was SC that night. That night, because Reggie hadn't won it until that game. Like before that, that game.
0: That's a, that's great. That's a good nugget. Isn't it well, great? Did you watch it all? I I kind of came in the fourth quarter, but Same. two things that jumped out to me. I was like, I'm just looking. Would I have viewed Vince Young as a really good prospect? And he, his his motion was a little weird, but he was huge, and he yeah. could really move. I he's a first round pick, right? Given his success, his physical attributes. I, I think he's a little cam. It, he's a poor man's Camish. In college, I think.
1: You know, what? I almost feel like we should do a YouTube on this. <laughs> I feel like in any year he's a top fifteen pick.
0: Yeah, I, I, because I, I, I kept being like, ah, I bet I'm gonna say he's like a fourth. And you're like, yeah, I see it. And then I saw someone was like, someone tweeted, I can't still fifteen years later, Lindell White. And someone's like, yeah, it's easy for everyone to say that. Just watch that USC game. Lindell White in three years had fifty two touchdowns. I, I know. I, I started doing the math in my head. I'm like, god damn, that's he's averaging like more than a touchdown a game. Like Lindell White one of the more underrated college athletes ever? Like how much success he had on a, on a dynasty and how many touchdowns he scored? 52? Did Reggie score 52? You know, I'd have to Google that, but feels like Lendell White. Probably sneaky. I bet if you looked at just the touchdowns. No, I,
1: I bet Lendale uh, hawked a bunch of his touchdowns. Well, that's what I'm What's saying. Called? Not hawked. What, what do fantasy players call C-Cucked? it? Cucked. No, that's a different. <laughs> <word>. <laughs> no,
0: I, um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know the fan. I've not. A, I've never. It's been another a bird. Fan. When yeah. you when you like steal my touchdown in the red zone.
1: Yeah, yeah. People are yelling at their podcast right now, and they're going to tweet at us as soon as they uh, re- vulture. I think it's vulture. I, we, it's, we have. It, it we, definitely we,
0: happened to me on DraftKings where it's like, oh, I can't. They just threw a go route to
1: Joe Blow. We have buried the lead. Hunter Mayhan is on this podcast. Yeah and john this is perfect because it's like we start it's supposed to be the national It's supposed to be masters week and i i mean i love talking to hunter if you want to you can also watch this conversation on our youtube channel promo code ham go subscribe there we've got a bunch of other stuff in addition it's not just podcast stuff there someone asked me like um, are you
0: guys just doing youtube like no we're just we're doing
1: podcasts and youtubes they're separate that's right and sometimes but they, sometimes they might be the same yeah. Um, hello, but anything you want to say before we get to Hunter Mahan, it was awesome that he came on.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's top, he's been top 10 in every majors. Uh, he's, he has more career wins than Ricky Fowler. I mean, he has six career wins. I mean, he was the number four player in the world. Once upon a time, I think it was in 2012. And at that given time, obviously tiger had been battling injuries. He was the highest rated American. Uh, he's won multiple WGC events at one point in time, I think in like 15 or 16, what was the uh, the FedEx playoffs and you when you called the Tour Championship? That's the lead up. Like, there's three events leading up to it, or is there two.
1: Well, I think they've cut it down. I think there was three leading up. I think now it's two. Or was this year it was supposed to be the first of. Uh, I, I, I think it like sixteen or I think it might have been two thousand sixteen or seventeen. He was the only
0: player in the world that had played in every single one of them oh. for like a five or six year stretch. He didn't. I mean, he played in every event, so he's just. I mean, he was a blue chipper. Oklahoma State, Big Twelve Player of the Year twice. Then went
1: on to have a. I mean, he started at SC. Like we'll done. get to that. Plus, just a cool ass dude. Awesome. Uh, and just so you know, listening to this, we were we, we did this on Zoom, so we could see each other. And again, you can see all that uh, if you want to. Uh, if you want to see it, all right. You know what's kind? You know what's a little sad about the
0: Masters week? The likelihood that Tiger probably would have finished top ten. Probably coin flip. Probably not. Right? He was the defending champion. Hmm. Tiger Woods defending champion, so worst case scenario, he's just putting the green jacket on someone else, but he's a big part of the weekend, right? Yeah. Because he would have obviously played in it, but even if, worst case, he missed the cut, probably unlikely, but he's just, his name's coming up, the the replays of that, remember how sweet that was? Everyone got up early last year to watch it because of the rain, Rory Sabatini just melting down, down the stretch. Hit the, remember when he hit, I think it was was it 16, maybe it was 15. He hits the tree trying to go over. and goes in the water, and you're like, oh, this is an all-time meltdown. But it didn't quite feel like a meltdown because you're like, this is Tiger's time.
1: And also you're like, well, what is Rory Sabatini doing here? Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> all right, Hunter Mahan, Haberman and Middlecoff Podcast. Here we go. First of all, Hunter, we appreciate you making time. Middlecoff took off his golf hat. That's disappointing, but um, – <laughs> Maybe it bald says, is beautiful. Yeah, bald is beautiful. Maybe it's in protest because next week was supposed to be the Masters.
2: Oh my gosh, that's that's a depressing thought, isn't it? Makes yeah. me cry. How are you holding <laughs> up? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I've I've got uh, three kids. I've got one on the way uh, next week, actually, and so we're we're busy. We're homeschooling, and and um, you know we're trying to get out of the house as, as much as we can, and to, just literally just into our pool and to walking around and just uh, trying to keep the kids entertained. But it's, um, you know, honestly, for us, it's actually a nice break in a way, just from having to wake up every day, get them to school. We're kind of always running around. And now we're just kind of waking up and uh, we get breakfast. It's just, it, it kind of slows. It's a slower pace for us. And we're enjoying the time together.
0: I actually think I read Tom Brady said something the other day, like for as crappy and shitty as this thing is, maybe it's kind of making us all take a deep breath and slow down a little bit because you realize, like, I'm running to do nothing, that everyone, you just, society had gotten a little out of control, and I'm as guilty as anyone, that you just kind of realize you don't need to rush for everything you're doing.
2: I totally agree. Um, you know, I think it's just kind of taking a deep breath for me and just kind of looking around at what I have and, and what what are the things that I need to do today. And and uh, luckily, I've got a little gym in my um, in my garage so I get to go work out there and, and but we spend so much quality time with each other and our kids and my wife and actually talking about things and 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 you know literally just looking our kids in the eyes and, and interacting with them on a really deeper level than you do normally during the week uh, you're just so busy I mean our kids are only like six and five and three but yeah my gosh their schedules are crazy for for little kids and what we're all doing
0: you playing any golf now
2: um, I was doing, like last week, it, it's been so kind of crazy with, with the, the government and, and, and the governors and all the judges and, and the mayors and everything here trying to figure out when you can go out and when you can't. So I was going out um, and just doing a little bit of work and a little bit of practice, which was kind of nice. But um, um, right now we're, we're, we're in the last kind of uh, nine, ten days of, of Candy's pregnancy. So I'm just kind of staying home. We're taking care of that and, and preparing ourselves for the baby.
1: So does do you think this means that every when golf starts back up, everyone will come back with their swing super sharp because all they've been doing is practicing in their garage, or is everybody's swing going to be a mess?
2: Um, they're going to be a little bit of a mess, I think, um, because you just haven't played much in competition. And sitting around just swinging is is good. It's but it doesn't get you ready for the impact and the you know the stress of playing golf and playing golf and and the strategy and this and that. It takes time to kind of play um, a bunch of holes, kind of compete, and, and kind of get your brain kind of fired up into kind of the new reality that you have of, of uh, competing and, and hitting shots under pressure.
0: I, I think, I mean, nowadays we learn about these guys and the PJ Tour is so big and we hear about these young guys coming up. Like we talk about in, you know, we talk a lot about football and football recruits and we hear about Julio Jones since he was in high school. Beside Tiger for a long period of time, we didn't really talk about it, but you were a guy coming out of high school and then at Oklahoma State who was just a bit, like you would have been a top draft pick if, if, if golf was football. When in your like in your teens did you realize, I'm pretty freaking good at golf?
2: Gosh, I, I mean, it took me a while to get, probably in my junior year of high school to where I really felt like. I was really good, and I can really compete at a really, really high level. I still didn't even know if PJ Tour golf was in my future. I still wanted to go to college and experience that. Um, got to go to Oklahoma State um, after a year at SC. And um, I think I enjoy the grind, the daily grind of it, because any professional athlete knows it's not tournament time. It's, it's every single day that you're working that you sort of have to love and you sort of have to enjoy and I really enjoyed doing that. Um, got on tour, uh, quickly started playing a lot of tour events and it was a big, I mean, it was a big jump from college to professional golf, but I did feel like when I was out there, there was a moment right before I won that I was on the range and I said, I almost told myself like, this is my time. I am ready to do this. And that was, you know, the Sunday morning of, of the Travelers championship and then that's when I went off to win. But, Until I won, I didn't feel – I knew I was there, but I didn't feel a part of it until I actually won on tour.
1: Middlecoff and I were talking today about uh, Alabama and Saban and how the last couple of years Saban has – I mean, this is a guy who's won multiple championships. Yeah. But he hasn't really had first-round quarterbacks. He hasn't had a plethora of first-round receivers like in the same year, like this year he's going to have, and how – it's become even bigger than it was before. I mean, it really is kind of Oklahoma State golf. Would you say it's Alabama football, just in terms of churning out? I mean, we've seen Wolf hit the scene, Hovland hit the scene. Yeah. you and Ricky Barnes were playing each other in the in the U.S. Amateur in '02. Yeah, Ricky Fowler. I mean, you beat Ricky for your second win.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I think there's. It's funny because we've had the same. This is our. We're on our fourth coach in the last. Um, I sixty plus years of 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 college golf at Oklahoma State. Only four coaches.
0: You guys are like the Steelers of college golf. <laughs>
2: exactly. I was just going to say that. I mean, it just and they're all three of them are former players. Um, and so it's just kind of a it's a culture thing there that, um, basically Coach Holder, who I would say is a Nick Saban type, very tough. It's you, you, you know, I'm sure I I don't know, but you come to Oklahoma State to win tournaments, to win Big Twelve championships, and to win national championships. That's what you do when you go there. If you're there to have a good time, if you're there to enjoy the college experience, it's probably not going to be the place for you. Um, and so that's when I went there, I felt it immediately and there's a pressure to that, but there's also, there's a uh, standard that is set that he's set for a long, long time. And there's been a, the, the amount of all Americans that they've had there. And if you go do the clubhouse there at a Carson Creek, you'll just see all the placards everywhere and all the tournament trophies everywhere. And it's a big deal. It's, it it's, when I went there, there was a little bit of a lull after Charles Howe left, um, where they didn't get a, a ton of great recruits and it was struggling a little bit. And then it went, and then I got there and we finished second in nationals. And then it's been Ricky started to come, and there's been Jonathan Moore and Alex Noran, and then all of a sudden Matt Wolf and all these kids started coming there because Oklahoma State sort of was cool again. And you were you went there for a specific reason, you know, and that's and that's to go play there, win national championships, and go on the PGA tour. And that's would, sort of what Alabama has done, right? Like just like hey, you come here for a reason, not because you want to have a good experience.
0: Is the would you say the Ben Hogan, that's the best player in college, the award the
2: that... the Nicholas award, the Hogan award and they they've kind of created some more awards, but the the, the Hogan award is a great award. It's, it's it's really neat, yeah.
0: So what you won the Hogan award, correct?
2: I did, yeah. Would
0: you would you say that's like
2: the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy of golf? I'd say it's pretty close, yeah. There's so, a few so, awards. I mean, you got I, it's pretty neat because I've got a Nicholas Trophy and i got a, you know, a Hogan Trophy.
0: So you win these awards in, in that last, I guess it would have been your second year at Oklahoma State. The process of agents coming to you, was it pretty clear, like, this is, pro- I'm probably going to turn professional? Like, as a 20, 21-year-old, that's got to be kind of an intimidating time in your life, even though you know you're really good at something.
2: Oh, for sure. It, it's... <laughs> all you see is a bunch of decisions that you have to make that you don't really feel sort of qualified to make. Or I I know I didn't. Um, I knew I was going to the, I went finished second at the USAM and then was going to the masters that year and and played well at the masters. And, and you could, you know, even though I didn't know if I was turning pro, it was like everyone around me knew I was turning pro. And, you know, like you said, agents were coming around and people were coming around. So um, it was quite a process, but I felt like, the timing for me was just kind of perfect. Um, I used ping clubs for a long time and, and ping was coming after me really hard. And, and uh, they missed that on Charles how-, how at the time, sort of, which gave me some leverage because, Hey, they're like, we need to get this guy because he's the next young player. And we need a young player on staff. And so that was a big reason I, I, I turned pro and I just felt like I was ready. I felt like I didn't know if I could learn anymore from being in school for another six months. Um, I needed, as Marco Miro said, when I, I talked to him. He's like, you need some on the job training at this point. You just need to kind of leap and figure and go play and figure it out from there.
1: What was the masters like that first time?
2: Oh my gosh. It's, um, it's literally breathtaking. I don't You can't even describe how beautiful it is, how scenic it is. I got to go there. So once you, once you get your invitation to the tournament, you can go there as much as you want prior to the event. So my dad and I went down there, um, like in the, kind of in the fall i think it was like thanksgiving time and, and wanted to see the course a few times and it's when there's no one there i mean it's like you can hear a pin drop it's just it's this cathedral of just perfectly manicured grass um the the elevation changes would you know i don't know if you guys have been there but elevation have, no. changes are would blow your mind how the the clubhouse sits on top and 12 is the lowest part of the golf course and it's very low like you could almost see all the way down 18 uh, all the way down 11 it, it's 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 just majestic. It's beautiful. You got it. it. It's that. It's once in a lifetime opportunity to go there and, and to just see it is amazing. And I was playing there as a 21 year old kid. Um, it, it was it was a ton of fun. I got to play with Jack Nicholas uh, Thursday, Friday, and actually end up just being on Friday and Saturday because Thursday was rained out. But to play with Nicholas there and to you know be there with him and, and play for two days was you know really really amazing.
0: Do you even remember that? Was it kind of a blur? Cause obviously you went on to play it a bunch of times and played well in it, you know, but the, on that time.
2: I totally remember he shot like 83 or 84, the first round and he came back and I, I mean, I saw an intensity in his eyes cause he was like embarrassed. You could tell he just was like, like, yeah, I think he shot 72 or 73 the next round wow. and he's like well into his sixties and he just grinded his butt off. I mean, you could tell that like, he had nothing to prove but for himself it was just a competition of himself to go out there and play and play the best he could Um, and we got to talk about the course i remember he talked about every year they kind of they take all the grass off the greens and they kind of put new grass on and he's like you know every year it changes just a little bit you know and this is a guy who's been there since the inception and he's like you can he's like we were just talking about certain greens slopes and and how that they change every kind of year and how you know it's very subtle but someone who sees it all the time can can see the differences.
1: What is that the height? Like if we said if we tried to rank the biggest buzz events, right? The Ryder Cup, I would imagine, would be very high. Yeah. Masters with Tiger uh in the mix. I mean the Masters that fill yeah. one in ten. Tiger was in the mix coming yeah. into Sunday. You were you played really well that Saturday. Yeah. You both were top ten. Is that Tiger Masters? Is that the height of Buzz?
2: It isn't an Yes, because it's you know, it's weird there because the crowds are always going to be there every single year, um, whether are on their best, Aren't they not.
0: on their best behavior there
2: also? It, it, that's what I'm saying. It's sort of weird when he is in the hunt because everyone's there and you want to see something great, and you're going to see incredible things because the, the finish is so amazing, and it's just it's such a great setup. Um, but any tournament with Tiger in the hunt is just different. I mean, it feels different when you're there. Uh, as a player playing, and and uh, Augusta, just every year, it's just like you said. The people are so respectful, and there's not—I mean, they don't put up with anything there. I mean, it's and they're everywhere too. I mean, all the the, the members and the security—they're everywhere. They hear everything, so everyone that goes into that event with a certain amount of respect, and all the players love it. I I always love going there because if you go to the U.S. Open, you go to the range. It's twelve deep of of just agents and. Uh, me, uh, media, uh, there's workout guys, there's just, there's translators, there's just, there's just a ton of people in the range. You can't get anything done. Not Augusta, you're allowed to have your caddy, obviously, and then you can have one person sitting next to you on the short game, the putting, or the range. So it's very, very clear and very, very cut and dry about what you can and can't do, but there's sort of a relaxing feel about it because there's just not a thousand people all over you. You know, you get to go there and you get, you know, you can get a lot of work done just kind of by yourself in your caddy trying to figure out the golf course.
0: You entered pro – you turned pro in 03? Yeah. I mean, would you say that? I mean, Tiger had already won a lot. You know, I mean, Tiger was probably one of the more famous humans in the world at that point, right? Do First time you met him, do you remember in the first time, obviously, I'm sure you played with him, what was that
2: like? Yeah, it was at the U.S. Open on um, – every amateur at the time, you know, we all knew Tiger played early uh, on kind of Tuesday, Wednesday and, and maybe Monday afternoon, but Tuesday, Wednesday, he was going to be out there first light. And so it was like me and like another amateur were out there on the range. And we were up the range like at six o'clock hitting balls and, or even like six 30. And we we're just kind of waiting to wait. And we heard he was going to tee off like at set. And then all of a sudden it's just, you get word of mouth. He's on the tee. So you just pack up and run. So you just go to the tee because he's not waiting around for anybody. He doesn't care. And I think, I think that day might've been um, Darren Clark, I think was probably playing with him. Uh, he played a lot with Darren Clark at that time and Marco mirror at that time. Um, and you just go to the tee. And I remember he, you know, he was walking there, hadn't gotten there yet and got a ball from Stevie and set it down. A couple driver swings and kind of hit a um, kind of hooked, kind of snapped hook on the first one, just got another ball, put it down. And then from there it was just perfection for the next four hours of just this brilliance and just being around this guy and, and uh Talking with him a little bit, but that 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 was a blur. That whole day was a blur. But I just remember going there and seeing him. Then I've you know, then you know being on these Ryder Cup teams with him and playing in tournaments with him, and, and then getting this, to know him more. We had the same swing teacher for a while with Sean Foley. So um, that that those are the things. Like I grew up with Justin Leonard, and then I was playing on with Justin Leonard on the Ryder Cup team. So there's a, those little memories and those little connections through my golfing experience have been. Unbelievable!
0: Did he know who you were when you ran up to the tee?
2: Uh, no, no. <laughs> he, he. Believe me, it was, it was at that time of Tiger from like '96. Like the only thing he did was play golf and work out. I mean, that was it. I mean, he was, he was there to just absolutely destroy you for the about for about five years. It was, it was just, I, you know, I am going to break you. That's he stepped on the tee is like thinking of like I'm going to destroy you, every person here. You're going to know. You know, you are not better than me.
1: John and I were talking earlier about uh, before we started talking to you about the a story that you told about the Presidents Cup, which was actually at Harding Park here in the yeah. Bay Area, where the PGA Championship was supposed to be in '09, and Michael Jordan was there, yeah, um, and was yelling at you at one point, uh, instruction. Like, was is there a... Now, it's probably... A, Michael maybe a little more laid back than Tiger was in competition, but yeah. are there similarities? Like, did you feel or see similarities between those two guys?
2: Yeah, so... Um, Freddie called me and Sean O'Hara up beforehand and said, come on down early. Uh, we'll play Sunday with Michael. And so we got there Saturday and, and got there Sunday, and we played with Michael. And obviously, you know, I'm a Jordan guide in every uh, sense of the word. And so that was unbelievable to be in his presence and play golf with him um the thing that just blows your mind is how competitive he is he's just the most competitive human being i've ever met and um, i think tiger is a lot of that way they're just and that's what kind of brought tiger back over and over again after all these surgeries and injuries he's just a competitive guy he can't go home and just practice and just play and and leave when he feels like i've got something left to take and something left to prove um he's you know, on a mission. So there's that competitive nature between those guys. Um, and, and I think they constant, you know, work on their bodies, getting their bodies in the best shape they can. Um, and continuing working that, but you know, the competitive nature of those two guys have um, day in, day out, no matter what they're doing, um, you can see it pretty easily.
1: You know,
0: we've all heard the stories about tiger, the machine, like you said, worked out, played golf was just there to dominate. But as you get to know him, and he just he does know people on the tour, even in that stage, when you're competing, like if you're playing with him on a Saturday and you're tied for the lead, or just you guys are in the mid, he's just not talking to anybody. I, obviously, he's different now, but back at peak Tiger.
2: So there was yeah, I mean, there's been multiple tigers kind of throughout the time. That early onset was, I ha- I'm on a mission to win more majors than Jack. That is the only thing, in his work ethic, like there's that you know, 2000, like 96 to like 2005 or six or whatever that year span. um, Nobody worked as hard as he did and nobody will ever duplicate what he did because no one was going to put in that much time and that much effort. It's just never going to get done again. He, the, the, the workout sessions, the practice sessions, the putting sessions, calling Butch at like 6am says, Hey, I need you to look at my stroke. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just never going to happen. It's just, it just won't. And so uh, that time he, there was a, a very very tight inner circle that he had with like O'Meara and John Cook and Howarth. Um very you know undercover. I mean, his dad was you know uh, was in the military, and there's something about everything that he did at the time kind of followed those protocols. It's just we're here to work A to B to C, and then over and over and over again. There's a routine that he just went over again, and he didn't talk much to guys. I think um, like you said, he had his group, and that was kind of about it. And then through time, he's expanded. And you can see him now is a whole lot different than what he was at in '96, and he's a lot more open to guys, uh, and a lot more open to himself and to the world. Like he's doing all these instructional videos and yeah. through Golf Digest, and it's 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 a different guy. But also, you have kids. Um, you mature through life and experiences, and you know you don't want to be. I think he saw his life in a closed door, and he did probably was like, "This isn't much fun. This isn't great for me. I need to, I need to kind of put myself out there a little bit." and um, start competing again. And then, you know, and then start going, uh, playing. I got to take it step by step, right? I got to go compete with these guys at home. And then I got to see if my game is good enough. And then um, go start playing more events. And then we kind of saw that. We kind of saw this really big maturation process for the last five years. And, you know, once he got healthy, it was like everything clicked and he can go out and play and play great.
1: You know, that's what's interesting is you – he had the back issues – before the back issues, I found this old quote, Middlecoff from Hunter. In 2013, you were like, you had a quote where basically you said everyone's waiting for Tiger to win a major to announce that he's back. But I'm telling you guys, like, he's back. And then he had the back yeah. issues, and eventually, you know, several years later, he gets that the the FedEx Cup, the win at East Lake. But yeah, but you were pretty confident that he was going to get back. It seemed like at least then.
2: Well, he in I think it was 13. He won like five times, and he won the Players Championship. Right, so. He was playing great. Um, his game—you don't need to win a major to so say you're back. I mean, that's for guys to win five times in their career is a great career, and he did it. One—I mean, it was just—it was like, oh, it's—it's—it's it's, it's really good again. It's really, really tight, and um, he just—just just, you know, health issues, right? His back just—you could see his schedule and the way he played. It just wasn't very good. Like he was very swinging and practicing to to be able to play four rounds like that, and you could tell like he just couldn't do it and so when he came back i remember watching him um at his tournament like in the bahamas he made a three-arm swing and and it was and he carried it like 250 in the air but the swing was so aggressive and it had so much speed and he had no fear of it he had no fear and i thought wow this is a different tiger this is a different guy who who feels like he has no limitations before there was about four years where he had he had all these limitations of what he actually physically could do. And and so he went through, you know, I think eighteen nineteen where he looked really good. And then unfortunately the back at the middle of 19 uh, looks like his back hurt again and he couldn't play. And then he won the Zozo and now his back kind of isn't great again. So it's, it's, you know, I think it's just going to be the new reality for Tiger Woods. We're going to see a lot of highs and then we're going to see some lows where just, you know, his back just isn't going to let him do it.
0: Before the injuries when he was just, you know, arguably the greatest player ever for that five, six, eight years, ten year stretch, whatever. We we talk so much, and you just alluded to how badass he was and how intimidating he was. But just as a golfer in a vacuum, like what made him so elite? Like when you play with him, you're like Jesus.
2: I remember this was. I remember uh, Liverpool when he won, and this is when he was with Hank. Um, we we were on the rain. We were on the range. I played early on Saturday and got done and um he's stepping out um he got out of the car we went to the range and there's probably about five guys on the range and he drove up he stepped out of the car him and stevie and he just walked and everyone on the range everyone there's probably about 12 people but there's about five players and everyone stopped and just kind of looked over and he we all just followed him all (laughs) the way up to the range and he and then stevie put the bag down he grabbed the wedge kind of just and started hitting balls. it's like, it's not something I can even describe to you. There was just an air about him that was so, so different. Um, And he just had this, um, this ability to block out everything. And just what was in front of him was the golf course and the shot that he was going to hit. And that was the only thing that he worried about. He he had an incredible nature to just block everything out. And what was right in front of him was the only thing that mattered. Um, I know someone who talked to him, and they asked him like how do you view each day or how do you move from one day to another and he said every day is a new day i'm going to take what i learned from yesterday but today's a new day and so i gotta i gotta get everything back together all my mechanics and everything i need to do and then today's but today's a brand new day and i i i gotta respect that and i gotta put everything i have into today i can't rest on what i did yesterday so i gotta i gotta put everything all my energy into today and you could just See that I don't know how you describe it. It's, that's one of those things that's kind of built through time. That he was just different in a lot of ways, um, and so when you saw that,
0: was he dramatically was he dramatically longer than people when you first got on tour?
2: When he first run, when he when he first stepped on the tee and first from ninety six to two thousand, he was because he wasn't using he had a, a steel shaft, he had a very minimal kind of setup, um, but his swing was just the speed at which he could create was yeah. just so so different. Um, and now, and now there's just, it's changed, right? Like the athletes have changed in golf. But at that time it was very much, he was like the first mutant, right? He was the first guy who didn't really look like a golfer. He looked like an athlete. He just physically looked like an athlete and he thought of golf differently. You know, no one was working out at the time. Guys were kind of working out to prevent things. He was working out to get bigger, to get stronger, to get more physical. So he can play for the next 30 years and play great. And that's something that he continually works on to get his body in the right place so where he can swing, um, and practice all the time.
1: It's where like swing maintenance just has to be exhausting.
2: Yeah, it is. It's more mentally exhausting. Physically through time, it kind of wears on you, but, um, you know, feels and reels like, what you feel and what's actual reality of what you're feeling can be two very, very different things. And so it's so challenging to come up with, okay, so I think that my arms or the clubs here, but I've got a lot more room. I have to be more inside or outside, whatever. What I feel isn't exactly, isn't exactly reality of what I'm doing. So that's always the hard part and feels change from day to day.
1: Do you, do you think that's why pitchers are good golfers? Because it's so similar to, like what they have to deal with every day? Is there? A, do you have a theory on why pitchers, baseball pitchers, are good golfers?
2: Um, well, I think the standing on the mound, like they stand on the mound, right, with their foot, and they sit back. And golf is sort of the same way. It's like when you you kind of your wind up, you kind of you get into your right side. And golf, you kind of either get in your right or left side if you're right or left handed. But you get in your right side, and you kind of stay there a long time, and you give it a long time, and then you know they they throw late. So it's kind of like. You know the club is their hand, and so they're they know when to time it up. They know when to release it, and so the release in their hand is the release in the club. And so most, and they have a lot of time off, right? So it's like, well, I can't throw too hard today. I can't throw 100 pitches. I want to be sore, so I've got a lot of time. And and I think they know how to use their time really wisely. You know, because they probably have to they have to know that hey, I'm going to work on these pitches, and you know, and so and b- being hitters, it's so unfair because their their mechanics are just so wrong for golf. I mean, they can hit it a mile, but it can go, you know, every which way.
0: You've won some really big tournaments. I mean, the waste management, multiple WGC events. You finished top 10 in every major. You know, back to pitchers, they say they only have, like, their A game 30 40% of the time, and the great pitchers are able to win, like, the other 40 50% of the time when they're pitching like shit, but they just – on your wins, would you say, yeah, I was playing the best I've ever played? Or some of your wins, you just, I kind of grinded through, I, I made some putts, I, I made some crazy shots. When you look back and like the peak of your, you know, professional career of winning on the PGA Tour or playing well in majors, are you playing your best golf always?
2: Um, good, Great question, because I remember when Tiger won Byron, he said, I won up my C game. And at the time, I was a kid, I was like, I was in high school and I was like, what the heck is he talking about? He just <laughs> want to throw it with the C game. And being on tour and, and understanding what competitive golf is on Thursday through Sunday, I kind of understand what that meant. I think there were certain shots that he couldn't hit that week and he, he didn't like, he didn't like, you know, he's probably like, my 150 yard game is just awful this week. And so you adjust. And that's, and, and I played, I remember in Houston when I won. Um, Houston, that sign, of course, has a ton of water. And so there's a lot of trouble to make, easy to make doubles. And kind of really kind of, you know, it's hard to make doubles up in, in golf. That's, you just can't do You have to avoid that. I remember that week. I don't we, think we I hit in the water once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll stack up quickly. <laughs> and then you just keep throwing, you know, fire on it. Uh, but um, I just remember I just played I just played so smart. And I don't think I made many bogeys that week. I played the par fives really, really well. Um, but I, I always felt like the course kind of played to my strengths. I was a great iron player. So I just didn't give shots away that week. And my putting was really solid that week, but I couldn't say that it was my A game. I thought inside 50 yards, I was not very good, but I hit it so well and I just didn't give shots away. You know, and most guys who win tournaments, they're not giving shots away. A lot of fairways, a lot of greens, and they putt. Everyone says, well, they they had a great week putting. But it's like if you don't hit it good, if you can't stand there and hit irons from 200 yards to 150, you can't hit them close to the hole and not give shots away, you're just not going to play well on tour. So, that's I remember that week specifically, um, WGC at Bridgestone. I played really well. I mean, Sunday I played great, but I played really well that week. I mean, I was, I mean, I was right there. I felt like I had a good chance to win. I played, I felt like I played great every single day, but just maybe I didn't make a few putts and and a turn of sixty nine and sixty six. But I played great that week and uh, felt very proud to win on on that golf course.
1: I think anybody uh, listening to this that's ever picked up a club understands that like when the group behind them gets up on their tee box and they're on the tee box, they feel butterflies. Now I'm sure you get everyday people comparing their golf games to yours, which is not what I'm doing, but I am asking, do you do pros feel butterflies on the tee box ever? I always watch that and think like, what happens if you just hit somebody? Everyone's standing right there.
2: Um, Well, Hey, you got to get, you know, if you come to a tournament, that's just a possibility. Agreed. You might get hit. It just kind of is what it is. Um, can't do nothing about it. I'm not. Tr- no one's trying to hit you, but if you get hit, it's just. Hopefully, you're facing the right direction so the ball goes into the fairway and not in the opposite direction. <laughs> um, but that's just not my problem. Um, of course, you have butterflies. I mean, you have um, you have goals. You have things you want to accomplish, and, and uh, um, there's nothing worse, kind of, you know. I always felt my best kind of when I knew my golf game and my swing and I knew if I hit it left, I know why I went left. If I hit it right, I know why I hit it right. So I might have missed shots and not play great, but I knew how to fix it and get back on track. So it never really bothered me. There's nothing like stepping on the tee, though. Like every player is experienced. I'm not really sure where this ball is going to go. It might go left and it might go right. There's nothing worse than that. But um, all the great players on tour, I think when you're playing your very, very best, you're hitting great shots or you're missing it in one place and in one direction. I know I've played my best is when I just miss it a little right, and then when I make a good swing, it's going dead straight where I'm looking. Left is really never in play for me.
0: Do you get more nervous when you're in the mix in a tournament, and you're like, God, I could win this thing in the weekend, or when you're like, I'm playing like shit, and I don't know what the hell to do, and I'm just
2: lost? I remember, <laughs> remember Jeff Ogilvie was, he, was uh, he came in town, SMU, the golf team invited him to come talk to the kids, and, and I went and sat with him. Um, I know Jeff. I love Jeff. Jeff Overby's a great he, – he's a great, great guy, really, really good player, uh, but really, really smart, really understands golf and understands, like, the business of golf. He's a really good golf architect, but he's just a guy you just want to talk to because he knows a lot about, about golf and all the aspects of it. Uh, but he was talking. He's like, you know, whether you're playing bad or great, you're stressed all the time. If you're playing good, you don't want to screw it up. You want to. If you have sixty-seven, you want to get to sixty-five. So you're stressed about how to make birdies, and you don't want to make bogeys. Then all of a sudden, you just ruin a good round. And if you're, uh, you know, playing bad, now you're just pissed, and now you're stressed that way. Now you're just kind of angry, and you're like, can't wait to get out of here. Where are we? You know, when's the next flight? You know, you're texting your flight agent. I want to get out of here. So you're stressed all the time, no matter what, whether you're playing good or playing bad. Um, it's just kind of a different, different feeling. Um, because you want to win, and once you get up there, you know that it's not like every week you have a great chance to win, and when you feel like everything's clicking, you want to take the you know, opportunity. Um,
1: the caddy relationship, or relationships. Sure. We we were, were John and I were watching this video. I thought one of the highlights from last year was we were talking about Eastlake with you earlier before we started recording. Yeah. Paul Casey on 18 on Sunday at Eastlake last yeah. year. Yeah. Where he stripes this ball.
2: <laughs> I remember. I mean, he and loved it, is, it. They loved every second of this shot and that, that swing. And then
1: it's like off the back of the green, it's too yeah. far. And he turns to his yeah. caddy, and they did a great job on TV of explaining to the viewer what was happening. Yeah. You can watch them realize, and you watch his caddy, uh, John McLaren, I think of his name, yeah. realize yeah, John, he yeah. gave him the wrong number. or he Now, luckily, they started laughing. They must have a great relationship. but yeah. There was this moment where you're like, is Paul Casey about to... Force this guy to walk off the course <laughs>
2: <laughs> there is a I, I will to this day when i won houston i think on on 16 there's about they have like eight tee boxes and they put the tee up way up that day and that kind of throws you for a loop because most of the time the tee boxes are right there and you know you're going to be about two three yards behind maybe four or five yards up somewhere in that area and here they moved it like three three plots up, and we were like, we had no idea that tees were going to be there, and so that throws caddies for a loop, and, and so we got the number, and I thought I hit a pretty good shot, but it flew about 15, 20 yards too far, and so it left me this really awkward up and down. Luckily, I got, I, I got up and down, but in, we're in the, I think, second to last group, so we didn't really have time to talk about it. We just kind of had to move on and figure it out. But to this day, I think he got the wrong yards. But he was like, no, 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 it was right. I promise you it was it was right. And he's a very prideful guy. And so he would never really admit it. But, that ha- I mean, that happens. Um, you know, the player's pulling the club. He's picking the shot out. And caddies are going to make mistakes. There's a lot of numbers out there. It's really easy to kind of add when you're supposed to subtract. And just, you know, things happen. You're picking Those caddies are getting a lot of yards. They're worried about the win, trying to get, you know, everything just right. So it's pretty easy to kind of screw up you know that's going to happen eventually um but like i said every player is going to handle it kind of differently some you know i've heard a lot of stories about a lot of guys with some nasty threats out there some bad things are going to happen eventually but i've seen a caddy i've seen a player in a caddy get into it on the golf course and he fired him he just threw the clubs down and he was like you know i'm out of here i'm out of here and he had a guy pulls he just Yells at a marshal. and says, can you get my bag? And the Marshall came back for the last, like, six holes. So, caddy-player relationships are pretty hysterical. They're pretty, you know, it's – you really never know what you're going to get. And always a funny thing is when you meet – there's plenty of players who are great guys off the golf course. But then on the golf course, they just, you know, they turn into savages. And all of a sudden, those caddy-player relationships get a lot more interesting.
0: Well, it's a little like if you look at it like a football coach and a quarterback or something – Because you are kind of of dependent on them for yardage. So if you're in a major, how much were you, let's say maybe it's a, a course that you're not as familiar with, younger in tour, are you depending on them specifically? Like, hey, I think this wind is a little stronger. I hate this green. You want to land here. I mean, are you just give it to them, and ultimately you just hit the shot of what he's telling you to do? And does that change as you get older?
2: Yeah, so I mean, especially when you go to majors, it's kind of a new golf course you may have never seen before. And there's a lot of work to do. Those caddies are working their tails off to figure out where all the heads are, where all the numbers are. Um, Are they correct? You know, you can go to places and they're just wrong by two, three yards. Um,
0: You're saying the number on the golf course that it tells
2: you. Yeah. So he, they'll they'll step there, and they usually kind of work in teams a lot of time, and they'll shoot, shoot, and they'll just kind of use shooters and figure out exactly where it is, and figure out the angles of the green. So sometimes when you get a pin sheet, and they walk off the green. Walk off the pin, it's from different angles. And so when you talk about these angles and move around, I mean, we're talking five, six yards could be the difference. And that's a whole new new situation. So there's a lot that goes into the caddy player relationship and what the caddy has to do. Um, You just have to figure out what you want out of them. I think most players rely on the caddies to kind of get the wind and figure that out. And so, but like I said, it's really challenging because you're going to go to some places and you're going to go Kind of below, you're going to be 100 100 feet below these trees, and the wind's kind of blowing up there, and you're kind of looking at that, and the pin might be doing something different. I mean, it's you know Augusta at 12, right? I mean, how many times I think, I think it was Hogan talked about you know feeling the feeling the wind off his, in, in his face, and then he would want to hit. You know, feeling the, there's just, it, I mean, it's it circulates around there where it is. It is weird, man. You guys hit nine irons, guys at seven irons, all in in the span of an hour, and they all hit kind of the same distance. It's just situationally at different times you just don't know what you're going to get so a, what a caddy has to do is give a player confidence hey this is the club you should hit this is the perfect club do that and, and that's what they have to give you they have to give you confidence in what you're doing i mean i know T, um tiger and stevie tiger said he was 99 right there was one time and he it was crazy His you know his memory you know sean mcveigh type memory is like you know, we were at like Bell Canadian. He thought I was a little too hyped up, and he gave me an eight when I needed a seven. And we were kind of plugged <laughs> in the bunker. But other than that, they were they were dead on. And so, a caddy a caddy's got to give you confidence into what you're doing.
1: Uh, you mentioned McVeigh because you're a big sports fan, which is why we've got you on this podcast. Because you you're a Colin Cowherd guy and a Gottlieb guy, and so you're a Middlecoff guy, which is awesome. Um, so do you like Tom? Here's Tom golf it. 41 42 43 like is an age where we start talking about golfers can they maintain a certain level probably we start talking about it earlier than that right can you believe tom brady's playing football at the age he is
2: um it's just kind of the evolution of the player isn't it in these team sports i mean lebron's at 35 and he looks as good as ever you know he's clearly lost a step but he's making a huge huge impact um but at 42 it's I'd be interested in what John thinks. It seems like every quarterback will tell you, I can still spin it. At 50 years old, I can still spin it. That's not a problem. It seems like most guys, A, their body kind of just gets beat to hell. Or, C, they they just kind of get tired of the meetings. They get tired of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think Tom loves the meetings. I think he loves being around the guys. I think he loves being a leader. And his ball still looks good to me. I mean, it still looks like he can zip it anywhere he needs to. Um, obviously, he doesn't move well. He just never has, never will. But I think he loves everything about football and everything that goes into it. So as long as he can still spin it, which I think most quarterbacks really can spin it for a really, really long time. Um, I don't know why he'd stop. But then again, it's hilarious. It's just crazy to me how powerful the NFL is. He went to Tampa Bay. He didn't go to he didn't go to L.A. He didn't. You know, LeBron had no choice. He wasn't gonna to go to Houston or Philly or Minnesota. He had no choice. He had to go to the biggest brand he could, and that was the Lakers. Luckily, they had uh, assets, they had youth. We could we could trade these guys and get Anthony Davis. That's kind of clearly what was gonna happen from the very beginning, as soon as he got there. But, you know, the NFL was so strong, Tom went to Tampa Bay. And he's like, they got great players, they got a good coach, the defense is probably better than than we realized. And he's like, I can get these guys, I can get these guys five more wins. And he's motivated. And that's a crazy thing to think about. A 42, three-year-old is motivated to play football still.
0: To me, I think Tiger and and, and uh, Tom are the same guy. Like, they're so famous. They're so rich. They don't have to be doing this. Their legacy is they, – they do, they do it for the juice. Like, what Tiger's done these last couple years, he loves golf more than golf loves him. Like, he likes golf more than what golf brings him. He does it because – like you said, Monday through Sunday, it's about the pro- – Peyton Manning, football left him. Like, he couldn't throw it anymore. Peyton was just like Tom. It's they were, they were two peas in a pod. He loves the meetings, loves the practice. Like, obviously, for Tiger to maintain this level, to come back from the injuries, Tom's avoided that. You know, he's really just had the one major injury. Uh, But, like, to love the, – because the, the sport – the grind – football and golf, I would say, are a little similar of – you spend a lot of time practicing. You know, in baseball and basketball, you just play. Well, in golf, how much do you guys practice, you know, Monday through even the younger – I mean, Tiger kind of set a new tone. You go now after rounds and practice more. Football's the same way. Extra reps. Stay on the field. It's like most guys are like, screw this. I want to go home,
2: you know. You want to you play. You want to get after it. You want to yeah. compete. It's not, And it's so much about just it's, – it's details. I mean, Tiger's a big detail guy, and he – in mistakes and voting mistakes. It's like they 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 they're trying to not get it wrong, right? More than trying to get it right. I want to keep doing it over and over and over again so I can never miss. I know exactly what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Um there's I mean, I think practicing is probably looking at film for Tiger. And, you know, I know Tom looks at a ton of film. All these guys look yeah. at film over and over and over again. You can't really just practice all the time because you're. I mean you're your shoulder, your arm, it's just not going to work. But you can hit balls for a long time, but your body is eventually going to go. But you can always practice short game. And, and it's just creating games with yourself and understanding that um, you want the ball to be in a three-foot circle on every single shot. You know, that's that three-foot circle gives you a 99.9% chance of making the next one. So it's just seeing that over and over and over again and understanding each lie is different, each situation is different. Um, high shots, low shots. I mean, just you could stand from 50 yards and spend three hours a day hitting just different shots at different pins in different situations. So that's what those guys, all the great players, um, love to do, and they just grind and grind at it.
0: Well, when you were locked in, I mean, at one point in time, you were the number four player in the world. Was there a shot that you couldn't hit? Like, was there anything that you couldn't do with a golf club in your hand?
2: The only thing I've, I've struggled with is hitting like a fade, just kind of hitting something left and it just kind of falls to the right just something in my you know DNA is just challenging for me but um, most of the time like to be a great golfer consistently you got to be a great iron player. Tiger Woods is the greatest iron player of all times. when he takes pulls out an iron anything from 100 to 220 yards he's the best at it. there's just no one you know no one close right now um, and so that's where he kind of hangs his hat and that's what all, Nicholas exact same way. Great iron players. They just beat you. He just he just wore you down for four days. I mean, just, you know, three yards on a cloud of death. I mean, just, I'm just going to wear on you all day until Sunday when I feel my best. Like Tiger and, Tiger and Jack were the same. When they get the lead, ah, that's when they relax. That's when they're like, I'm in my comfort zone now. You got no chance. And you're out of your comfort zone. I don't have yeah. to make up shots. I'm just going to hit fairways and greens. I'm going to make you have to be aggressive and play out of kind of your, kind of your wheelhouse. And so that's where they just beat you and just grind you all, you know, Thursday through Sunday. And that's, I remember when Tiger won, they one won Augusta and it was like two weeks later, him and Stevie called each other and he said, are you still exhausted? I mean, I'm just the amount of the, the mental effort you put into it, you know, is, is, is what separates you because the practice is a grind. It's every single shot. It's not just, it's making every shot count and making every rep count, right? Like Brady and you know, Peyton, right. They're throwing the ball, not, for a completion, but in a specific place the right guy can catch it and turn up field and go. I mean, it's not just a completion. That's, you know, it's where am I throwing it? When's the situation and how am I going to do it and how are we going to do it? And it's it's really the same in golf.
0: You know, one thing that's fascinating, I think most people kind of understand how football, they just get on the plane day before a game and go, and then they come back. Basketball kind of city to city. I don't think a lot of people quite realize, like if you're playing three events in a row, and let's say one's a major, What what's a travel like? Hunter is caddy. The operation, this place the next place and the next place. How does it work? Like, where do you you stay in homes, hotels? What do you eat? How do you practice? Like, do you plan the tee times? Like, it's kind of a crazy life.
2: It is. It is. I remember when I first started to join. It was every place I went was brand new, new hotels, um, new practice facilities, new course. So I I, and then after 10, you know, 15 years on tour, you kind of go to the same places all the time. So there's so much more uh, familiarity with everything that you're doing. And when you're a professional athlete, you kind of want to know what your next step is. And so that first year or two was was definitely challenging. I just didn't know where I was gonna go eat that night and where I was gonna go maybe work out and what time I was gonna practice and who I was gonna play with. So there's a lot of unknown me first going the tour. But, you know, being on the road um, for like four weeks is a lot. I mean, yeah. it is, it's is—it's four different airports, four hotels. Most majors, you're going to stay in a house. Um, it's just too hard. Sometimes the courses are just too far away from any sort of major cities. Uh, so you're going to have to find something near the golf course. And the, the travel to get into a major from the car is can just be a nightmare with so much traffic. Um, like going to Shinnecock, it's just nightmare, right? It's on an island. Yeah. There's not many roads, and so it's just yeah. really challenging, really hard to get to. So, um, caddies are kind of on their own. I will just see you there Tuesday morning. So just be there. Um, but sometimes you guys will travel together. You know, if you're lucky to fly private, that's the easiest way to go. Um, but um, it's, it, it is no doubt a grind from week to week. Um, and usually by Sunday, you are just can't wait to get there and wait get out of that city and go to the next one.
0: If you're t- if you're playing obviously Thursday, this tournament starts. What's you get there Monday. What's Tuesday and Wednesday like?
2: Um, practicing, practice rounds on Tuesday. Maybe find a group to go play with. Um, usually you're just trying to figure out that course. Usually you play there a lot, so you kind of know the course. You know where to hit it. But, you know, situation, weather changes. The course might play different, might play firm, faster. You're just trying to develop a, sort of a relationship with the golf course. How far is the ball traveling? Everybody carries track in now, which gives you, it's a measuring device on how far the ball goes and all kind of yeah. other numbers, but it helps a ton. you know, when you kind of go from A to B and, and go to different places, different temperatures, the ball's going to, um, go, uh, different distances, you know, same club, same swing, it's going to go five to six yards differently. So when you're getting there Tuesday, I think you're trying to develop how far is all my clubs going and how can I, uh, how am I going to play the golf course this week? You know, so- is it going to be aggressive, soft, whatever, you know, you're just getting gathering information.
1: So if you're playing practice rounds with guys, I would imagine different people are different to play practice rounds with, right? Like some people, sure. you might be willing to share some information with, or do you not do yeah. any of that?
2: Yeah, I think you you do you do a lot of that. You're, you're talking to caddies, um, you know, the player, you know, what would, would you know how far did that shot go? Was that a full? Was that not? You know. Um, you know, especially guys, especially guys who have won there. You know, if you want to find those guys have that success there, you're always talking to them. Hey, what did you see? What did you, how did you play in this shot? Or how, you know, sometimes shots are like, did you hit driver here? Are we hitting three wood? Are we going to be safe? You know, you're, you're always just trying to you know gather information from the best players you can and, and figure out what they're doing.
1: Meanwhile, Mickelson's just trying to take your money.
2: Oh yeah. Competitive. It's he's always looking for a game. He loves to compete. He's, he's, he's like Tiger in that. And, and maybe even more like Jordan that way. Always just competition, competition, competition. How are, you know? What are we doing? What are we doing? It's he's always fun to play with. The best guy.
0: So when we hear about these Tuesday, Wednesday money games, I mean, are we talking hundred hole, thousand hole? I mean, what what type of numbers are we talking?
2: Usually, it's just a you know um, after eighteen sort of team. Usually it's team now two it on could two, be two on two, or it could be you know, and, and he could have other things on the line too. But it's usually just it's it's not complicated.
0: So are you allowed to hit? Are you allowed to hit practice shots on top of your main ball? But you're playing one main ball, and then you can do other stuff.
2: Yeah, there's there's a competition going on, but you are there to um, figure out the golf course. A golf course gives you a lot of the same shot around the greens and stuff. It might you might hit the green it might flow off, so you're going to have a lot of these low to high chips. So you're going to get that a lot. It's pretty rare you get um, a course that has so many different. I gives you a lot of different looks but most places kind of have the same kind of flow. And so, you know, you're going to kind of get that same shot. So you want to work on that shot and you kind of can see where pins are going to be. You know, they might not tell you where the pins are going to be, but you have a very general idea of where the pin is going to be. And so you can kind of direct your practice toward certain areas.
1: Have you played with uh, Tony Roma
2: as a Cowboy yes. fan? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Quite like? a bit. Yeah. We stayed together uh, this year at, um, Pebble, um, with a friend of ours. Yeah. Um, a, he's really good. He's really good. He he practices an absolute ton. He's got an indoor uh, hitting area in his home and he showed me plenty of videos of what he's doing and what he's working on. He's a mad madman. Absolutely loves golf. Loves to compete. Um, and loves to tinker, you know. He's um you know, he's pretty convinced he's going to be on tour one day for sure.
0: Could he could he have been if he would have dedicated his life like when he was younger to be a pro golfer?
2: I think so. I think so. He's 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 a guy that doesn't look like a great athlete, but he is.
0: Yeah, big time. He doesn't have
2: a body of an athlete, but no, pretty. F- but I, I've, I know plenty of guys play basketball with him in Dallas. You know, when he was with the Cowboys and playing, um, and they're like he dominated Division One players, like dominated. They couldn't score him. He's really quick. You know, right. You know, right to left, left to right, just boom, boom, boom. But he's not gonna. You know, he's not gonna run a you know four two forty or anything. But he's really athletic in the short sprints and the short areas. And you can kind of see it in golf. He's just—he just has great understanding of where his body is and how to manipulate things and move. And and he's—he's—he's he's, he's a great golfer. I mean, he really—he really is.
0: You have a favorite course on tour, beside I mean Augusta.
2: Love playing Augusta. Um, you know Olympic um, in San Francisco. There, I have to, You know, it's—I really just loved playing that golf course. It felt like a place that I could play every single day and absolutely enjoy it. Um, just beautiful surroundings. I loved how the course kind of flowed, you know, from, um, the clubhouse all the way down. Yeah, I thought that was so neat. I love the trees. Um, I like big trees on a golf course. Um, love playing at, an um, um, Firestone. I just say there's like no out of bounds. There's like one little pond. It's just a golf course that sets up like, here it is. You're going to have to hit it really good today. There's just no no hiding. You can't hide. You can't, you can't hide from this golf course. You're just going to have to just hit a lot of big, big-time shots, and those are the places that I'd like to play.
0: Of course you hate.
2: Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with Riviera. I <laughs> uh, love the golf course, and I've had, like, one good finish there. But I absolutely love playing there, but, my gosh, it just – every time I leave there, I'm just, like, you know, I'm just – Angry, I'm somehow angry in a way that I didn't play better because I enjoy playing it. But it was just, it's so challenging. I mean, you know, Tigers, Tiger can't win there. And he's won everywhere, literally won everywhere. And it's, it's a place that's just, it's hard, it's hard to describe the challenges of it. But it's just, it's just a tough place to play.
0: The first shot's awesome. Just always on TV when they're hitting it off. The first shot's sweet.
2: It, it feels like you're hitting out of the clubhouse. It feels like, yeah. you know, you turn left, you can buy a shirt and just pull it off the <laughs> rack and, and go play. I mean, it's so cool.
0: You ever eagle that hole?
2: Um, not that I can remember. I made a bunch of birdies, but it's... it's. Um, yeah, it's tough. I, You know, but it has the greatest 10. 10 at Riviera is, it might be the greatest hole of all time. It is just... It, it's just a nightmare golf course. It's just a nightmare hole. Um, so many angles. Trying to figure out if I hit drivers right play. If I hit you know irons a let. It's just it's a short part three. That, a short part four. That is just you know you stand on the tee and you, every time you just look at it and you're like what's the play and you look at Kenny he's like I don't know what do you what do you like here like I don't want to get in trouble for picking the wrong club.
1: John, I I, I want to get Hunter's uh, Cowboys takes before we uh, oh yeah we have any more. Golf questions before we get to Cowboys' take. Let it rip, open forum. All right, seventeenth pick. Who do you want? What do you want?
2: Um, there's, there's the Cowboys are so it's so in depth. I mean, they're so screwed right now, aren't they? I mean, they're going to pay Dak like thirty-five million dollars. They're gonna, they already paid Zeke and a crazy amount of money. They've already paid Amari. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would say your offensive line is going to get old real quick. I mean, you can go almost any defensive player, not a linebacker because your linebacker core is pretty good. But I know they're projected to pick a safety. But I would, if there's good offensive lineman kind of hanging around there, I'd probably grab him. I feel like I'd rather have a good offensive line because your your offense is worth about five hundred million dollars, so you should probably invest in that a little bit. But it's probably safety or offensive lineman.
0: What's crazy is Jerry is such a great businessman. He w- he waits so long but he waits so long to pay his players. If he pays them early, like Zeke, I got no problem paying Zeke 45 million. He's a great player. To me, Amari, the moment they traded for him, they should have just extended Amari at a much lower rate. And probably same with Dak. Dak's a little more complicated because he probably thinks he's a little better than he is. But Jerry loves waiting till the last minute and giving all these guys all this money.
2: I have my theory is um uh, Dak was never gonna sign early. They were gonna wait and wait yeah. and wait. I don't think Jerry. I think Jerry probably did try to sign Dak, and I don't think he was ever going to sign. But the Amari thing, I think, is a complete disaster. I mean, he's just never going to ever live up to those numbers. No, and and he's a good player. He's a good player. You he's know? great. He's he's he, like he's a good player, but he's not worth that much money. And you're going to lose. You're just it's too much money to be put on skill positions. Two skill position players. You you've invested way too much money.
0: Who's your favorite cowboy of all time?
2: Um. You know my favorite player, my two favorite players are non quarterbacks are Ed Reed and Deion Sanders. It's a good oh. group. I'm not a big what does cowboy that say guy you? now. Was it say I'm a genius? I mean, <laughs> great football players. I mean, I just loved. Um,
0: he likes DBs.
2: Yeah, I, I do love DBs. I love the idea of like you're on an island and you're backs to the play, so you've got to man, you got to be good, you got to be athletic and confident and figure out. And Ed, I just loved Ed because. He just was everywhere and he was there where he needed to be before anyone else knew it. You know, I, I, I've watched plenty of those, um, electric documentaries on, you know, the NFL network and stuff. And the conversation between him and Tom talking about Ed Reed and like, it's just so fascinating because the amount of respect and they're like, this guy, he's everywhere. We don't want him to be. We're going to try to trick him, but he's, he knows we're tricking him. So he comes back. Like, it's just, I think that's such an incredible position in, in sports, but but Peyton and Tom are my two i love I love Peyton because I think he's a guy who has almost no athleticism whatsoever none no arm he's he's a bad arm, can't run, doesn't really look that good. I don't know what his real physical he has no physical traits. he throws a bad ball like I said it was like trying to you know catch a box of knives out there just and you know he's top five quarterback of all time I think yeah, I, I mean, don't know he, what you he, I mean, he probably just, is yeah.
0: I mean, Tom has a hose. Tom has a huge arm. Peyton had a noodle arm, <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> it just like you throw it up there and you're like, well, where's that ball going? And then here comes Marvin, like, whoop. It's just impressive to me to think that um, in such a physical gladiator type of sport, a guy like him who just uses his mind and his understanding of where everyone's going to be and manip- manipulates the defense, it's just crazy.
0: Well, like you talked about Tiger, Texan Butch at like, you know, six in the morning or midnight. Peyton was the same. And I think Tom became that, like in his second half of his career, peppering the OC at all, you know, walks at night and off season and these ideas and just mastering it with their mind, you know?
2: Yeah, Tiger was just always constantly going, like, okay, what are we doing next? How are we going to get that much better? And that's, that's a lot for teachers.
0: Like a relent, like a relentless pursuit to never be good enough.
2: It's so the next thing. How are we going to hit this shot better? How are we going to do this? And it's like, you know, it's it's a it's a lot to ask. But he was in that that mode of getting better every single day, and just because his goals were not to win tournaments and win majors. I mean that that Curtis Strange interview, Curtis Strange interview with Tiger is one of my most favorite things of all time because he was completely thinking outside the box. He's like, I'm not worried about top tens. I want to win. And Curtis was like, What are you talking about? You don't even know how to win. You know, you're going to get a top ten. You're going to make some cuts. You're going to feel pretty good about yourself. But it's like, no, 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 no. I've set the standard for myself so high, but I'm willing to work so hard at it to reach those goals. And I want to win more more majors than Jack, and and he hasn't gotten there. Um, but I guarantee you, he thinks about that every day. And how am I gonna how am I gonna do that?
0: You think he can do it?
2: I, you know, I just don't know how many events he has left in him. Like, I.
0: Corona's not helping him out right now. I mean, shit.
2: Um, His skill level is easily good enough. I'm just worried about how many tournaments he has left. That's the only thing that's really going to stop him. But his, like we've seen it, his, he's back, his iron play. The funny thing is the last couple of years, if his putter was a little bit better, he's probably got two or three more wins. Yeah. Easy. I mean, it's just his iron game and his driving is fine. It's just, you know, it's just, his back goes out and you can see it. And he's like, I, you can tell he just doesn't have it. And, And, but if he's, he has enough healthy starts, he'll, he'll definitely do it.
1: In warm temperatures.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess that's not going to hurt. That's not going to hurt. You know, we don't, we we can't have Augusta Augusta, like November is not going to be great. It's not going to be great. It's going to be, you know, I hope, um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of really smart people trying to figure all this, just the golf stuff out. I know then, but it's, it's really hard. It's really, really challenging.
0: They clearly don't want to cancel it, right? I mean, no, that's, that's the
2: last resort. I mean that is clearly yeah. the, the last resort and there's so many, you know, you have the PGA tour and you've got all the you know, all the majors and they're all different entities um, trying to work together and try to figure this thing out. And it's and then the new season starts in September. Yeah. I mean it's just it's wild. It's, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's really, really challenging. Well it's really a great part. We
1: were kind of fired up for the new schedule this year where it was gonna try and hit like before the end of September, right? Yeah, yeah. And beginning of October. Yeah,
2: beat football. We're going to try to get yeah. done before football starts. You know, which is smart. Which the commissioner's done a great job being aggressive with his schedule. So why compete? It's not. It's pointless. It's pointless to compete with football. So let's get it done early, and then start the season, and then we can have you know uh, the tournaments in the, in the fall. Have a good fall series, and they've got a bunch of good tournaments lined up in the fall. But it's my gosh, you know, it's just uh, it's tough.
0: You know, it feels like most golf guys are big football guys. Like, it, I mean, I just thinking about it, like, especially the younger guys now all went to bigger programs. Freddie Couples, huge Seattle fan. You know, Tiger. Tiger's a big Raider guy.
2: A ton of Alabama guys.
0: Oh,
1: flying.
2: Uh, I'm a player Georgia. There's a ton of Georgia players, Alabama players, um, some good LSU guys. Um, Oklahoma State's been a darn good football program ever since you know Les Miles came in there. It's it's a top twenty program, I believe.
0: And you got a, you got a top five cool coach too. I mean, the dude wears a mullet.
2: <laughs> I mean, does it shoots rattlesnakes and wears a mullet. What else? You, I mean, you know, you know him coolest. at all? I don't, I don't. I, I, I haven't gone up to Stillwater in a while with my kids. My son is, he's five. So he's getting old enough to where we can go up there and, and spend some more time. Um, I really love love Stillwater. I just don't get to go there very much. We were going to, we were going to do something but with Gundy, but we got canceled. But um Um, I would love to be more involved with the program and and hopefully I can be, uh, we can go up there more.
1: Well, good luck next week. A baby coming.
2: Well, thanks. Thanks. (laughs) I've got a lot. I'll be be busy. I'll be busy.
1: What's on tap for the rest of
0: the day? Some chores, some, uh, make dinner.
2: School. (laughs) Got to get the kids going to school chores. It's a great thing is I've learned so much about my house. I've learned about my pool how it cleans. Uh, I got a power washer that I'm crushing right now. I, I mean, I'm excited. I'm just going to go down the street, power washing things. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. It's been weird. It's, 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 it's a weird, a weird time, but we're making the most of it. So we're, we're doing good.
0: Well, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate you hopping on with us.
2: Well, thank you guys. It's stay uh, isolated.
0: Yeah. Stay isolated. We're zooming. We're not together, even though it's the sound quality is good, but it is good. It is. This is- this this Zoom thing's no joke. Like you could do a golf lesson, you know, if you just point the Zoom, you tune your swing. It's a game changer.
2: I got. It's crazy. It's crazy what we can do nowadays. It really is. It, it is fun technology at uh, for golf or all the sports. Man, it's crazy good. It's crazy good.
1: Hunter, thanks, man.
2: All right, guys. I'll, I will be listening. So thank you for uh, for your time. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app.